Apple reached a settlement in a lawsuit with developers, and it looks like the developers got a raw deal. And who could be Apple's next CEO? That's all in this episode of the Macworld Podcast. Before we jump into it, we have a word from our sponsor, Declutter. Upgrading your device soon? Declutter is the fast, easy, and totally free way to sell mobile phones, iPads, MacBooks, Apple Watches, and much more. Declutter pays up to 33% more than carriers, locks your valuation in for 28 days, and pays you quickly by PayPal or direct deposit. Visit macworld.com slash trade in and use the code macworld10, that's macworld10, to get 10% extra for your trade in. That's macworld.com slash trade in and use the code macworld10 for an extra 10% with declutter. Welcome to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Roman Loyola here with Jason Cross. Hello. Michael Simon is out this week, so it's just the two of us and the listeners. So we're going to have a nice little chat here about Apple events. Apple was involved in a class action lawsuit with a group of small software developers. The case was called David Cameron et al. versus Apple. And a settlement was reached last week. And the thing about the settlement is that many media outlets, mostly the mainstream outlets, reported that Apple had made some major concessions in the settlement. But if you took a closer look, especially by people who had a better understanding of Apple's App Store terms and conditions, it turns out that Apple... I think it's safe to say it didn't really give up that much at all. It, it was like that Gene Wilder clip. You get nothing. They put out this press release that was them basically tap dancing around and saying all the stuff they're doing and it full of bullet points. And all the bullet points were essentially them saying, we're going to continue to do this. And that's it. Things like they already have that program where apps that earn less than a million dollars annually can apply for the small business program and pay a 15% instead of 30% rate, which is already kind of tricky because as soon as you pass 1 million in any year, it's not your current rate annualized. It's like, as soon as you pass 1 million in a year, you pay the 30% on that whole year. Yeah, It's not just like the first million you make is at 15%, which is, would be simple. Right. Uh, And, and there was things like, uh, we're going to continue to, to make the app, app store search good they basically said we're not going to we're not going to change the app store search for like at least the next 3 years. They even spelled out at least the next 3 years, which makes me think that they were planning to like hose everybody. <laughs> and then they said we're not going to hose you yet. They they said things like Apple is also clarifying that developers can use communications such as email to share information about payment methods outside of their iOS app. And that was the big one that made everybody say all the major non-tech press sites got that so wrong. They said, oh, Apple's going to accept outside payments now. That's what everybody wanted. It's not. You cannot do your own payment processing uh, in the app. You can't point somebody in the app to your own payment processing or any of that. What they've always allowed is if you have a website or something, You can have people sign up for your service or buy in-app stuff or whatever on your website. Like just like you can go subscribe to Netflix on Netflix's site or something. And you can go buy Fortnite V-Bucks on Epic's site and stuff. You've always been able to do that. They're not changing that. 
you cannot, when somebody starts the app, tell them that they can do that. And they're still not allowing anyone to do that. All they're saying is in the app, if you have people sign up and get their email and they specify and they opt in to like marketing communications from you, then you can send them an email saying, hey, yeah, by the way, you can buy your stuff on our website instead of in the app. And which you've kind of always been able to do, they've gotten mad at companies for doing that outside the app communications. And they're just sort of clarifying that like, no, you can do that. It's okay. And that's, that's it. That's all they've done. And everybody, not everybody, but you know, your CNNs and other major tech presses of the, I mean, major, major uh, media outlets of the world all reported that as if this is some new thing and it's going to allow developers to get around in-app purchases. It's totally not, it's totally not new. It's, it's a complete nothing. One thing that got bandied about is this $100 million fund. And, you know, $100 million yes. is a lot of money. So, of course, people are going to grab that. And they're going to use supposedly use that fund to assist small U.S. De- developers. You have to make a certain amount of money or you can't make more than a certain amount of money in order to get this assistance. Is that what- From what I understand, this is uh, the how the lawyers get paid fund. Oh, okay. The lawyers take thirty percent. The lawyers take thirty percent out of that. The lawyers are getting like thirty million of that, like right off the bat. Yeah. The lawyers for the the people, the developers who are suing Apple, and it's the developers who are suing Apple. This is, I think, it was a class action suit, right? Yes. They're getting paid out of this fund, and I think it's there's going to be some of this fund d- devoted to other developers who maybe weren't in the class action. But for the most part, like when you when you after you pay the lawyers. You pay the 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 people who are getting who are suing, um, and they're eligible for. Oh, I forget I forget the amount of money each el- developer is eligible for, but it, there was a range, and I don't remember what the range was exactly. But yeah, it, yeah, it, it, it ten to fifty thousand dollars or something like that. Yeah, there's not going to be a lot left over. It's not like suddenly if you're a small developer, you're going to get a lot of money because of this fund, even if you qualify. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to get a lot more money from their ongoing small business partnership program where if you make less than a million a year, you pay a lower rate. Um, This is absolutely – some people were talking about the Epic deal because it sounds like – if you don't know too much about what's going on, it sounds like it's the Epic deal because they tried to do their own payment processing in their app. That's what triggered Mm – that was was how Apple poked the the bear here. It's not. This is not the Epic – suit that was settled and it's not what epic wants from the suit they want epic wants is seeking no monetary uh, damages or anything apple is seeking the court to force them to allow um other ways to get apps on the app store i mean apps on your iphone besides the app store either other app stores or sideloading or anything else and to allow developers to uh, do their own payment processing if they want to so this is not in any way really affecting that the big epic versus apple fight which is a much bigger fight in the sense that like higher powered lawyers a lot more money behind it seeking to change things a lot more that kind of ties into a news that came out yesterday about the south korean government they voted to basically make apple and google who also has a an app store to accept alternative payment 
forms. And that's basically what Epic wants, correct? That they want to be able to... Uh, That's that's one of the things, and that's the thing that they did in Fortnite on iOS to violate Apple's terms of service. They knew they were violating the terms of service, but they they did it anyway, and that's what got them kicked off, was when you went to buy their in-game currency, you could buy it through Apple's thing, or you could buy it through their own payment processing um, and you know, get more V bucks for less or whatever. Um, and that's, that was in violation. I was not clear about whether the Korean judgment is going to make it so that they have to let developer uh, do the thing Epic did where you can just like pay Epic directly. Or if it just meant that you would still, all the payment processing would still go through Apple and Google and stuff but they have to accept all these different forms of payment. Like mm. I couldn't, I couldn't understand whether that was the letter of the law for this or not. Like yeah. what the exact things were. I think it's the former, in which case they're, they're immediately going <laughs> to Apple and Google are going to immediately challenge this and right. fight it. I wonder when this is going to be done. There's some speculation that people think this could, you know, pave the way for change to happen in the U S in terms of, I have no idea how much that foreign influence has uh, on U.S. policy for Apple and, and, and that kind of stuff. I, that's, yeah, that's totally out of my – I don't know that. It, understanding. I think it depends. I mean, there's a lot of – it depends on how, how many people and user – how many users are at stake and stuff and, and whether – how hard it is for them to maintain a separate sort of version of iOS that allows this here but not there in, in different geographies and stuff. It's easier for every company just to follow the the lowest common denominator worldwide, but if it leaves a lot of money on the table, then they don't necessarily want to do that. Yeah, I really wonder how this is going to shake out. Um, it might be time for Apple to start looking at a different way to monetize the App Store than the percentage it takes from payments. It, it, to lower, if it allowed other forms of payment processing in apps, which it does currently for any app that sells physical goods or services like Amazon, Uber, like your local plumber, like literally any app that doesn't sell seriously, like there's, you know, they square and stuff like that have built in payment processing systems. So your local plumber can, you can pay them through your phone and stuff like that. This is not new and it's not rare. This, this hand wringing over like, well, now fraud's going to be a huge deal. Like, Already, there are thousands and thousands of apps that can do this. They just can't do it if they're selling digital goods and services. And maybe time for Apple to say, well, if you want to pay through Apple, we're not going to take 30%. We're going to get 5% or something. We're basically going to cover the payment processing. But the developer licensing is going to start costing. Maybe that's maybe that's the, the, the way they can balance the scales a little and and just to accept that the app store is just not going to make them billions of dollars a year like that's not where they're going to get billions of dollars a year they can stomach it they have a all the hundreds of millions hundreds of billions of dollars of cash on hand and you know but for a company that is making the transition or at least trying to grow its revenue stream in the services department they're not entirely entered a post iPhone era, but they're you know they've been looking forward to that, 
And one of the right. solutions was to expand in services. But yeah, they need to do something. They're going to have to be, they're going to have to be proactive. They're going to have to change their policies somehow. I mean, there's, I forget who the three senators are, but there are three senators in the U.S. who are working on a bill to address mm-hmm. some of these issues. And so Apple, they need to and, do and something. And of course, different. they'll they'll fight that vehemently. And, yeah. But the EU is the EU is not doing this and everything. Like Apple would be wise to get ahead of this. And they can either have someone like the EU or China or, or Korea or uh, or the U.S. Uh, Senate or something like make the rules for them, or they can make their own rules that just kind of get everybody off their back. And they'd be much better making their own rules, even if it means taking a hit. It's going to be much better to pick their own poison as it is as it would be. So this thing's going. On. I I. I Saw one Twitter thread from a developer sum up this announcement of the settlement of the suit very well, which is to say, Apple basically said, look, we're going to crush you. Like, you've got nothing. You you have no chance of winning this suit. Why don't we throw you a bone with this $100 million fund? Pay the lawyers. The lawyers will be happy and they'll convince you to take this deal and we're going to announce some stuff to save face and try and make it look like we're on developer's side and and they and it worked in the sense that all the mainstream press really wrote it up as these right. major concessions when right. it's none of it's really a change at all um so it was basically a way to make sure here look the, the lawyers will get paid they'll convince you to take this deal yeah. you'll get something rather than nothing <laughs> i mean that was one of the things that came up when i read the settlement, I was sitting there thinking, you know, the plaintiff had to agree to this settlement. I'm sure they read the settlement and went, we're not getting anything out of it. And so... Yeah, but I think that they, the pragmatic thing, and their lawyers probably convinced them of this, was like, look, we've got, we have nothing to stand on. Like, legally, they're going to crush us, and then we'll walk away with nothing. So we can either take this pittance, except for us, the lawyers, who are going to get like $30 million (laughs) <laughs> or, or you know, you know, you can take something or you can take nothing. But in, if you're a developer and you were looking at this case to make a change, you didn't get one. Yeah, and that, I think to me that's the, that's one of the most disappointing things is that you know these this group of small developers they couldn't basically sweat it out and get more out of this settlement. That that's unfortunate because Apple's such a big behemoth now, and it's yeah. I mean, if you if you're looking at that Epic and Apple battle regardless of what you may think of epic you know you can you can have the opinion that there's no good guy in this fight but if you want apple to change you you kind of have to be on team epic in right. this battle just because they have the money to stick this out they yeah. did stick it out the judgment hasn't come down yet but the court stuff's done they have all the money in the world to just say no we're not going to take this crummy settlement we're going to keep fighting this out until it's done and the most muscle to make something happen outside of legislation. I don't know if they're going to be successful. Our discussion will continue, but first a word from our sponsor. Upgrade the smart way with Declutter. Sell your mobile phone, iPad, Apple Watch, or MacBook today. Get a free quote for your old device, ship it to them for free, and get paid quickly. Visit macworld.com slash trade in and use the code macworld10, that's macworld10, to get 10% extra for your trade in. Declutter. It's smart for you, smart for the planet. Now, back to the show. This is a battle that seems like it's 
not going to end anytime soon. Would it be possible then? Would it go so long that it would uh, it would basically uh, you know tire out Tim Cook and he would resign as CEO <laughs> and then Apple would have a new CEO to to go through all this? That was the worst seg- segue I could think of. I was trying to think. Of. I had one earlier and then I asked a different question and I went, "Oh man, there goes my segue." So. Uh, no, I knew that's what you were doing. I knew you were tying this into our next topic. That's a, that's actually a perfectly good point, though, is that this could become the next CEO's problem. Yes. Um, this could go on long enough, especially – I don't think the Epic thing will. I think we'll probably get a judgment in the Epic thing maybe next early next year or yeah. something. And then whatever judgment is made, if Apple has to do anything, they'll have a transition period where they're, before they're required to meet whatever things – but all the stuff going on in the EU and in Congress and stuff like that, like that's going to drag yeah. on and they're going to try to drag it out as long as they can. Yeah. That's going to drag on for a while. Um, and it could be that the article we were looking at from Bloomberg said Tim Cook's going to stick around till at least 2025. Yes, because it? till at least 2025, because that's when his stock allocation runs out. He got. A million right. shares of Apple stock, which I kind of went, yeah. whoa. <laughs> that's yeah. not crazy. Uh, it, the stock's at 130 something dollars. Right. That's right? why so I went, that's, whoa. That's $100 million. The number know. of shares wasn't, you know, CEOs get a huge amount of shares. It was the. Yeah. If you consider the value of the of those shares right now, that's yeah. But even that, like uh, over yeah. the next several years, 130 million dollars, like. Don't get me wrong, uh, CEOs everywhere are grossly overpaid, but he's not nearly in that top tier of like crazy. No, he's not. He's not like that's how like Bezos and Musk and stuff. That's how they're so wealthy is that they get enormous stock payouts, and the stocks are the value of the stocks are at what the stock was like five right. years ago when they agreed to these plans. Right when they vest, now, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, when they vest. So like. Musk is going to get like a million shares of Tesla at $17 or $34 and it's at $700 today. And that difference is why they're billionaires, right? Or quote billionaires as soon as they exercise their options. Um, And, and so that's not, that's not an absurd amount, but you can, you can imagine he's going to stick around that long. Right. And he turns 61 in November, so by 2025, he'll be 65. And, you know, nowadays, 65 mm-hmm. is actually pretty, still pretty, I don't want to say young, but I'll say viable. Does that, but then viable makes it yeah. seem like you're on your deathbed. For like a Fortune 500 CEO, that's that's for sure, yeah. You know, it could be a good time for him to say, you know, it's time for a change, it's time for me to step back. And so, Mark Gurman at Bloomberg came up with kind of his scorecard of who could replace Tim Cook as CEO. He basically opened the Apple leadership webpage and went through each person (laughs) and said, explained why he thought yes and why he thought that person could be a candidate. Um, Yeah. And he basically came down to four four people who he thought would be realistic uh, candidates for CEO. Those four people were Jeff Williams, uh, John mm-hmm. Turnus, Deidre O'Brien, and oh, who's I'm missing? Jaws. Oh, right. Greg Joswiak. Right, Jaws. Notably, the, the faces you kind of know that you see in all of these presentations, uh, 
Craig Federighi and Eddie Q. Like he goes through the list of all yeah. the leadership and why they would not be. It, he thought they would not necessarily be a good choice to replace him and gave some reasons why, which I, I pretty well agree with, actually. German said that Q has been kind of planting the seeds for his exit or stepping back in, uh, in a reduced role as of late, mm-hmm. according to German. And then I didn't. I don't remember hearing this, but German said that Federighi has said that he's not really interested in the CEO job. To me, I mean, the qualifications, I would say, for CEO, for for Apple anyway, is there's, I don't think it's going to go away this idea that like the, the CEO is the sort of charismatic face of the company who is responsible for a certain amount of the marketing of why do you want this product, Right. Right. There, there are some companies that work like that, and then there's companies like Disney and stuff that don't, right? Yeah. <laughs> the CEO of Disney doesn't get on stage and try and convince people why you need to see the latest Disney movie or whatever. There's stuff within their industry that they do, but it's not they're not a, the public face to the user. Apple, I think, is going to continue to be like that, and I think you need a certain amount of that charisma and salesmanship, and I think Frederighi's really good at that. But, but I'd also think that, you know, I think he wants to stick to software engineering and there's so much going on with services and the hardware side of things and everything that he is not necessarily in his sphere that I would, you know, Cook was famously like the operations guy. And that's part, part of the reason that Apple stock has done so well under him is that he's, he makes the trains run on time. He's expanded he pinches every penny along the entire chain of like parts and and everything to manufacture every product they manufacture and make sure that they can be made in volume and on time and all that you know doing all that's kind of difficult <laughs> uh, and it's one of the reasons things like apple watch was such a such a success and app, iphone's grown and all that stuff so they kind of need somebody who can keep that going because without that you know, now that Apple's big enough, now that they have they ship enough products, you know, if that starts to slip, then Apple can be just as popular with people and but but you're gonna see the profit margins edge down for no good reason. Things are gonna ship d- delay be delayed or ship late or be hard to get to, to a greater degree than today, and then it's it's kind of a black eye for Apple and stuff. So I think I think it makes sense to say that Frederighi is really not necessarily the guy to look after all that side of the company. So do you think Jeff Williams is the best candidate? Uh, German seems to think that Jeff Williams is the best candidate because he is the current COO. He has taken more of a presence in Apple events as in the past couple of years. So he's learning that part of the role. Uh, I don't know if they're necessarily grooming him, but he is becoming more participant in that and that part of being apple ceo he seems to have recognized and he's working on that part you know i i think that german's point that he's only three years younger than cook is is kind of the problem because you know cook isn't going to he's not going to retire before 2025 but it's probably going to be after that it's probably going to be 2026 27 28 something so like replacing the ceo with a 60 
four-year-old right. new CEO. Just It kind of means they're not going to be in it for another decade. And I think Apple's going to want to find somebody who's going to be CEO for at least a decade, right? So that would be, I mean, someone younger like John Turnus. Turnus would be an interesting, he's been seen a lot more in events as well standing out there being more of a, a public presence and he's got several years of runway to like build more more presence and get more bump it up and he's the guy in charge of all the hardware engineering stuff right is that his his role he's a senior vp of hardware engineering yeah yeah and i think that has a lot more to do with um i think he that makes him more involved in the supply chain stuff yes i, I think that's he's not necessarily an operations guy and stuff but i think his teams end up getting, you know, yeah, we're going to have to use this controller. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think that's not necessarily a bad choice. And then Jaws is another interesting choice. Greg Joswiak. I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how old he is, but I think he's a, a good decade younger than Cook or something like that. Yeah. Well, Jaws, he's the most recent addition to the uh, executive team, I think. The one thing about Turnus is I don't know where I, if, if I'm even remembering this correctly, but I seem to have remembered something about how engineers don't necessarily make the best CEOs. I, I think that's an old kind of business philosophy. Uh, and, you know, I don't necessarily agree with that engineers don't make the best CEOs things. I mean, you can look at Lisa Sue at AMD or Elon right. Musk or something. And these 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 people came up through engineering. In fact, sometimes they make the best CEOs. Um, they they do need to also have enough of a sense of the other parts of the business that they don't get bogged down in the engineering. But I think by the time you rise to the point of being in charge of all of Apple's hardware engineering, and that's a broad spectrum of products. It's not like he's just in charge of the iPhone team. There's everything from AirPods to Apple TV and everything else, every other hardware that Apple makes, you know, I think that you, you really, you have much, a much broader leadership role there. Uh, and it makes some sense. Do you, let me ask you this. Do you think Apple will only ever promote from within or look outside the company? The, the board has done that before <laughs> and yes. famously, and that didn't necessarily work out so well, but that companies do that. That was a long time ago when they did that. So, mm -hmm. you know, memories are short. I think the thing is there, there are certainly well-qualified people within Apple's leadership to take on the role. So I don't think there is a need to, to go outside. If a lot of the people in Apple's leadership were short timers, I could see that, but yeah, a lot of them have been in their positions for quite a long time and decades. Yeah, there's there's people there with you know twenty thirty years at Apple. Yeah, and they have the advantage of knowing the company inside and out. So you know, there's no reason to go outside. You know, I, yeah, I keep thinking of like when Apple, uh, <laughs> when Apple hired Michael Spindler, and you know that that was a disaster, and then that was followed by a. Uh, Gil Emilio. Those were some... There's a reason these are the names you don't know, right? These are the names that most Apple people don't know. They yeah. know Jobs and Cook, and there's a reason, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, those guys had other... There were other market forces that were playing against them. The thing that people remember about those two guys in particular is that they really didn't have... Gil Emilio maybe a little more than Michael Spindler, but they really didn't have a sense of what Apple was about. And they were kind yeah. of out of touch with the Apple culture. Especially at that time when it was a much more insular. There was yes. Apple was a lot smaller, reached a lot fewer 
a number of customers and those customers were very particular and specific. Yes. You know, there's a billion iPhone owners now. It's it's a different company. (laughs) For Tim Cook's part, like he obviously isn't saying anything about who might ever replace him and he's in it for a while and he's not leaving soon. Specifically, he says he'd like to oversee one more product category before, which means that, you know, Apple Watch, I, I guess I would say AirPods and stuff is a, is a category. And, and I wouldn't say that the fact that they shipped earbuds with with iPhones counts as make, makes AirPods not a new category. But I think he, he wants to go one more place and it's likely to be either the AR or the Apple Car stuff, whether that's software or car or whatever. Those are sort of the big two new categories everyone talks about Apple investigating. Uh, I think he's trying to get one of those like launched and established to the point where that sort of Apple Watch Series 3 level where it's like, we know what this is now. It's on a good path and has momentum and all that stuff. So John, John G G Andrea, is that how you say his last name? I have no idea. <laughs> I was trying to say it because it's a, clearly an Italian last name. So I was trying to say it uh, the the way an Italian. Gianna, Gian, Gian Andrea or something. Gian like that. Is that <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyways, it's he, a tough one. Yes. He's the guy who leads the uh, AI efforts and the machine learning efforts. And so he would have a key mm-hmm. role in a car and uh, AR glasses if they would come out i have a hard time seeing him as a ceo though but maybe that's because i don't really know that much about him because he doesn't really have a presence yet i guess in in apple events we don't see him much yeah yeah Um, we we have seen him before but it's not it's not much and but yeah that certainly apple will say ai kind of touches every aspect of all the products they make and that's true like i mean they're they're building for years now, they've put hardware specific to running machine learning stuff in in iPhones uh, and iPads. And it, now that we're doing Apple Silicon Max, it's in Max. It, it touches everything from like photos to, there, I mean, there's all this new stuff in iOS 15 about like the live text stuff where you can copy text from images and all that. Like it's just part of the features and they don't really talk about like, this is an AI thing, but it's in there. It's not just yeah. like, Oh Siri and nothing else. So so he is a, a good choice in the sense that like I think his team really ends up working with every team. The one thing I want to ask you is do you think so when Tim Cook was named CEO there was some concern by some hardcore Apple users that Tim Cook was an operations guy. He wasn't like I'll just use the simple analogy as he wasn't Steve Jobs and I mean that by yeah. he wasn't this creative product Guy. The grand vision guy. Right, a grand vision like, guy. Yeah. And you still hear some hardcore people today wanting a grand wow. vision guy. Like some people, mm-hmm. Elon Musk would be great as Apple CEO because he's a vision guy. Yeah, like whatever you think of him uh, personally, yeah. he certainly he certainly espouses like a vision of the future that is years out that they're working towards, right? Yeah. And whereas Tim Cook is, it's very close to the vest and he just says- very bland marketing things like, you know, about how we making products to enable our, you know, customers to achieve great things and just like nothing statements like that. Right. So yeah, it's in terms of making great products, I think it's 
Tim, Tim Cook has clearly shown that that's not necessary, right? Like Apple has moved the ball forward under his leadership, not just economically and operations wise, but they've, in terms of innovation, in terms of bringing new products to bear, new product categories to bear, I don't know to what degree that's necessary. I think that's somebody who out there who's who's on stage like with the grand vision, right? I think that you need to have those people in your senior senior leadership of the company, but they don't necessarily, and the CEO needs to listen to them. But I don't think necessarily that the CEO needs to get on stage and be that kind of character. I think people want that because it's more entertaining and inspiring to them as a fan of right. Apple. It's it's easy to draw inspiration from that, yeah. And I get that. And I I mean, I would kind of love that too. Like just as, <laughs> just as somebody who like watches Apple and watches these events and stuff like that, it would be great to see the person who gets on stage to announce all these great new products and stuff have something to say that really makes you imagine the future and not just go like, "Wow, these are great products that they're producting in our face, right? <laughs> I mean, it is it is a completely fair uh, point to like imagine that if they had more of a Steve Jobs type character all this time, or if Steve Jobs was still around, that Apple would be making more high-minded products that reached a lot fewer people. Yes. Like Tim Cook, for say what you will about Tim Cook, he drove... Apple products into many, many more hands than they ever did under Steve Jobs. Hands, wrists, arms, bags, whatever. Like, <laughs> like, like the growth of Apple, not just in profit, but just in reach has been really phenomenal under his leadership. So they're operating at a scale that Steve Jobs never came close to. Like there's, there's more just AirPods sold than all the iPods ever, right? <laughs> like that's like it's hard to it's it's hard to just imagine that the scale they're operating at is completely different. Well that does it for this episode of the Macro Podcast, episode seven hundred and fifty-eight. I'd like to thank Jason Cross. Thank you. And thanks to the audience. Thank you for tuning in. And thanks to Declutter for sponsoring the podcast. You can subscribe to the Macworld Podcast and the podcast app on Spotify or through any other podcast app. If you have any comments or questions, send us an email at podcast at macworld.com or contact us through Twitter, that's at Macworld, or on the Macworld Facebook page. Join us in the next episode of the Macworld Podcast as we talk about the latest in the world of Apple. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>